Welcome to Canoe Creek Christian Church's podcast. Our mission is to help others connect with Christ, grow together, and go share Jesus with their world. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Drive. Our services are Sunday morning at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 a.m. You can also find our services online through Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for listening today. that let me just introduce for you our speaker this morning he's so important to me he is my mentor and I've been telling you he's going to be here for the last couple of weeks uh, for example I you know he's going to share something with you about this uh, but I had a personal discovery just in the time I had this week with my covenant group uh, four other brothers including Alan face to face discussing things that I'm really great at inundating myself with content I'm really terrible at actually processing that content and learning how to apply theology to my life where I need to. And it's only in community that I start realizing and recognizing these things and become a better follower of Christ so that I can share with my world. And so I could go for probably hours trying to say all the things that Alan has done in his 50-plus years of ministry, uh, but I could tell you he's extremely important to me. And I think that what he's doing in this latter season of his ministry is far more profound than anything he's probably ever done. I don't know. He may contend with that, but then again, he may not. I know it is for me. So would you please give Alan Algram a very warm Canoe Creek welcome this morning? Well, it's great to be with you. Uh, I've uh, heard about you through your pastor. I love this guy. He is... uh, the real deal. I can tell you this because I work with leaders around the country. Not all pastors eat their own cooking. Well, that's kind of funny because you cooked for me last night. But I mean it in the sense of oftentimes pastors tell the congregation what they ought to do, but they're not doing it themselves. And he is eating his own cooking. This whole theme of uh, the group life of this church is not just something he's in favor of for you. It's something he's applying for himself. What I know is this, your life is never going to be any richer than your relationships. You need to allow others to uh, know you well. That's kind of risky, but it's that risk that brings meaning to life. I've enjoyed uh, this past week uh, with Ross and a few other guys, and I'd said to them repeatedly, hard work is hard work indeed. Oftentimes, the more well-known a person is, especially a public person, the less well-known they really are. Gordon MacDonald shares a story about a rabbi. He's sitting in his study, and he was interrupted by a knock on the door. It was a young student who came in, just had one agenda. The young student, for whatever the reason, wanted to tell the rabbi how much he loved him. The rabbi didn't respond the way the student expected or that you might expect. Instead, he said, you love me. Tell me what hurts me. The student had no idea. How can you say you love me if you don't know what hurts me? It's fascinating to me that while everyone craves deep connection, longs for true community, so few really enjoy it, personally experience it. Now, the best part of life is the relational part. Do you know what the hardest part of life is? The relational part. To struggle at times with relationships is to be human. And did you know that was even true for Jesus? 
Now, Jesus endured some very complicated, very difficult, very painful personal relationships. He experienced immense relational disappointment. Now, you may remember that uh, Jesus uh, was teaching large crowds, and they were coming to hear him teach, an amazing, powerful uh, teacher. He spoke with authority that gripped them. He also did some pretty cool things. He fed them, massive crowds. So the crowds are hearing about the miracles he'd done. They want to be a part of this grand event. And uh, in the process of all of this, the numbers keep growing and growing and growing until, until he said something that shocked them. It disturbed them. He said that unless his followers fed on his flesh and drank his blood, they'd have no real life at all. Now, it was clear to the crowds what was going on here. He's not saying that he's nice. He's saying he's necessary. He's not saying, I'm going to share some good things for you. He's saying, I am a, an essential factor, a vital factor for you. Without me, you have no life at all. So the scripture says that when people heard this, his disciples heard this, it was hard for them, not hard for them to understand intellectually, rather hard for them to accept, hard for them to tolerate. And that's the problem for most people today. The problem people have with Jesus is not simply an intellectual one, fine, good teacher, of course. It's an emotional one. It's a volitional one. Am I actually going to be devoted to him? Oskinis said, first and foremost, we're called to be devoted to someone, not to something or to somewhere. You are not called to be devoted to Christianity. That may shock you. To a set of principles, ethical teaching, moral values. You are actually called to be devoted to the person of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus knew that this hard truth, this absolute call to love him, was going to thin the crowd, and boy, did it ever. That's because Jesus was not only fully divine, we as believers get that. Oftentimes, what we struggle with is accepting the reality that Jesus was also fully human. Let's pick up the text, John chapter 6, verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is, this is a hard teaching, we can accept it. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life that flesh comes for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they're full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you, Jesus asked the twelve. 
Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you're the Holy One of God. And then Jesus replied, I have I not chosen you? Twelve. Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, would later betray him. Have you ever been betrayed? You didn't see it coming. Have you ever been rejected? You never expected it. One of the guys in one of my groups uh, set up his story, and we knew it was going to get real, real fast when he said, I never expected I'd go there with you guys. But my earliest memory, I was three, and I could still see my breath on the storm door window. My parents were having some problems. I didn't understand it, of course. And my my father was walking out. And I, I, I still see my, saw this little boy, my breath on the storm door window. And I remember the moment in my tearful plea, Daddy, don't leave. Daddy, don't leave. That was a moment cemented in his memory that's influenced his relationships ever since. It was a rejection moment that shaped him. Well, if you're somewhere beyond the age of three, I'm certain you've experienced something like that too, some sort of rejection at least. It's impossible not to. You can't go through grade school or high school. These things are inevitable for everyone. Everyone experiences some kind of critical rejection. And then in this age of nonstop social media, which I think we should refer to as anti-social media, every kid is told to measure their worth by the number of crazy things they post and get likes for. It's a very tough time to be a kid. But then when I think about it, it occurs to me it's also a tough time to be an adult. <laughs> Few adults go for long without losing something, a job, a relationship, a loved one. Some even do a heart-wrenching divorce, a, a death of someone close. It didn't take long for the hard hits and the heart hits and the relational losses of life to pile up. Now, you say, I didn't come to church to be reminded of hard stuff. Well, you need to be reminded of this. The hard stuff you've gone through in life does not put you in a unique category. Everybody has a different definition of hard. Everybody goes through some kind of hard stuff. No one escapes relational pain. Not you, not me, not even Jesus. Even after performing many impressive miracles, Jesus had many disciples up and leave him over one hard sermon. So I asked Ross, he didn't really answer my question, has anybody ever left you because of one sermon? Now, it, it, it wouldn't be a bad sermon, of course, okay? But just less than stellar. Okay, and just come and say, well, I've had it. You know, you're not hitting me like we, you, I'm not growing anymore. You're not teaching me like you used to. Pastors hear the craziest things. It's very common for those in leadership to feel rejected because we don't measure up to somebody's expectations. Jesus experienced this. 
and by the way, it wasn't a it wasn't a bad sermon. It wasn't even a less than seller sermon. It it was it was a, a life changing message that the people were not willing to accept. Now, in light of the fact that Jesus endured painful rejection and loss, do you think that maybe he can speak to you? On top of the difficulty of having his, some of his disciples at the time move on from him, he also knew that one of the 12 men closest to him was actually preparing to betray him. Jesus knew all along what Jesus was preparing to do, and yet he still included him in his inner circle. Now, does that sound like something you would do? If you knew for sure that this person was going to stab you in the back, would you include them in your inner circle? No matter how painful your relationships have been, no matter how lonely you have ever felt or horribly you've ever been betrayed, Jesus can relate to you. Therefore, Jesus can speak to you and Jesus can set the model for you because Jesus loved his followers and even those who are unfaithful to him, he loved them to the end. Even though he was maligned and misunderstood, he continued to do the hard work of relationships because he knew that you cannot enjoy the best of life, the intimacy of soul with others without risk. Jesus knew that to struggle with stuff is okay, but to struggle alone is not okay. Jesus knew that the isolated person is the vulnerable person. We all need people who are good for our soul. So as we talk about in our groups, it's because soul work is not only slow work, soul work is shared work. So you think of the geometry of the cross. The vertical points to a vital relationship with God through Christ and the horizontal to healthy relationships within the body of Christ. However, all relationships are not created equal, nor do they all carry the same level of responsibility for disclosure. So I like to picture it this way. I covered it with the guys this week. And I think this image uh, may help you as well, because sometimes it's hard to figure this out. Well, what, it, what does it mean to have uh, open, authentic relationships? I think the authenticity in relationship comes at three levels. The base level is honesty. It's honesty with all. As Christians, we're in the habit of telling the truth. So we just speak the truth. But it is not just dangerous. It is ridiculous to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth in every social setting that is presented to you. Like you don't walk into a store and you're greeted by the server, the restaurant, or wherever, or even someone in the lobby this morning say, hey, how are things going? And then you throw up everything all over them. You know, that, like, uh, that is not just awkward. Uh, that's going to spoil any opportunity for a quality uh, relationship or meaningful conversation. You have to understand discretion. So honesty with all, you tell the truth, but you don't share everything with everybody in the lobby of Sunday morning or on Facebook this afternoon. <laughs> The next level is transparency. Transparency is with some. That's as you grow in understanding of them and they of you, growing in trust, that's when you begin to share more of your story. And then ultimately, for the safest and closest relationships, you move to vulnerability. 
vulnerability. And that's what always happens in the pastor groups that I'm a part of. Eventually, we get there. We don't require it. Nobody is, we don't like hold people accountable and you got to say stuff. No, we just provide a safe environment and people uh, feel close. And as a result of being held close, not held accountable, they begin to share more openly. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to say, I have no secrets and that's well with my soul. It's liberating. Hmm. Do you know with men, and I'm not an expert on women, though I think I'd be terrific at women's ministry. Nobody ever asks me to lead women's ministry. I think I'd be terrific. My wife does not agree, but I think I would be great. Well, the reality is what I'm talking about is primarily rooted in my experience with men. And you gals have to figure out whether or not this applies to you. What I know about men is that when we share only our successes, we're in danger of becoming competitors. But when we begin to share our struggles, that's when we begin to become brothers and true friends. Everyone needs quality connection. And those relationships come in all shapes and sizes. So you think right now, yeah, I remember, yeah, I was really close to this guy in the military or in school or whatever. Well, who are the five that are closest to you right now? You know, we learned back in Genesis 2, it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah, you know, all, all of us guys say, yeah, our wives keep telling us that. You'd be in trouble without me. Well, they're right. <laughs> but it's also true for women. We were all designed for community and connection. So how do you identify these people that really been called to a deeper level of connection with you? I got seven clues for you. Just These are just things that occurred to me. One, who likes you? And who do you like? Now, you know, as a Christian, you're commanded to love, but are you aware that you're not commanded to like? <laughs> there are just certain people that are, you just have an affinity with. Who do you like to hang around with? Number two, who wants the best for you? I think for those of you uh, in a dating relationship, especially gals, you don't want to uh, uh, be spending uh, excessive time with a guy just because he wants something uh, from you. You want a guy that wants something for you. I think that's true in our relationships. If you really want something for a person, they sense that. Number three, who sharpens you? Number four, who deepens you? Number five, who is loyal to you? Number six, who's fun for you? They're just fun. They make you laugh. Number seven, I love this question. I've been using this word a lot lately. Who rejuvenates you? This I know your life may be just one call or email away from being better. And there's no better time to do that than now. Now you say, yeah, but it's a COVID season. And, you know, it's been so hard. And I've been, uh, you know, out of kilter and out of connection. And, and frankly, I don't know how many people really, uh, you know, are concerned about me at all. Well, what are you doing? Uh, are you reaching out to anybody? You're just waiting for people to reach out to you. You could be catalytic for a healthy connection. You for deeper community. All this stuff that Ross is talking about with the group opportunities here. I mean, perfect timing. Community is at the core of Christianity. Remember the illustration I just shared of the cross. And this, I think it's a true story. It's a pastor story. So you got to wonder sometimes, but that I, I read this and it was like, yeah, I, 
the context was it it happened. This years ago, this old pastor is uh, in our, uh, a a church building. It, it, it's empty during the week. His his uh, his little girls with him, and he uh, he walks in with her, and she is confused. She looks at the front and she sees something that confuses her. She says, "Daddy, what is that plus sign doing up there?" The cross is the greatest plus sign in all of history, reminding us the crucifixion led to the resurrection, reminding us the vertical of a call to relationship with a living, loving God and the horizontal with the people of God. William Barclay says, you cannot understand Christianity apart from community. And that's why your true riches are not your possessions. Your true riches are the people to whom you belong and who belong to you. Jesus lived in deep relationship. And here's the good news. You can too. Some of the best friends you've ever had just might be a few you have yet to meet. You ever had that experience where you're hesitant to go into a social setting and then you come out of it going, wow, I never expected that. Well, if you're struggling in just how to build better relationships, I'm going to share something that has helped a lot of people. And we use it in all of our groups. Uh, The covenant group that Ross uh, and I are in together is a three-year journey. And we have two retreats a year. And we have a Zoom call once a month and then time to time some other things as well. And in those Zoom calls, we always cover this template. Now, this template is something that you could use in all your groups. It doesn't really change anything. It just gives you some hooks to hang uh, things on. And it's been used around the world, different settings and missions. I've used it with uh, pastors serving the slums of Nairobi. One of my guys took these questions to uh, students in India. Another one of my guys in Cincinnati uh, works uh, with business leaders on the side, and he has used it with them. So here are these questions that can help to deepen relationships, four catalytic questions. And, and we call them the four Ds. So everybody goes through this and just takes a few minutes. Uh, hey, what's delighting you, delighting you? Number two, what is draining you? What's the pain in your drain this week? And some of us get stuck there. Uh, and we can go on and on and on about the pain in our drain. Well, if you know that there's more to the template, you tend to not get stuck. Like this third question is really helpful. What are you discovering? Maybe it's from your Bible reading. Maybe it's from a message you heard. Number four, as a result of this, what are you determining to do? What are you determining to do? Get out of the rut. Get unstuck. What are you delighting in? What's draining you? What are you discovering? What are you determining? I assure you, if you ask these questions, you'll discover that you have more enjoyable conversations. They even work on date night, by the way. And you can use these questions, and you're going to enjoy a better relationship. You will enjoy what you were intended for, meaningful community. Jesus chose community. He chose to be close. He chose to trust. 
And then things turned. He went to the cross. He trusted himself to the disciples. And one of them betrayed him. And on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, Psalm 22 is prophetic, and it finishes in celebration. But Jesus had to go through the worst before he experienced the best. And sometimes that's true for us all. The message of the Bible is that God wants the best for us. He wants to be with us through all of life, and he wants us to be with him through all of eternity. He wants us to know that he's with us, that he's for us. I just sent a text message this morning to one of my good friends. He's a sheriff of Boulder County, and he's going through some tough challenge right now. And I just reminded him that God is with him and for him and that some guys like me are upholding him. Who needs to hear that from you? Jesus came to address the greatest fear we will ever face, the fear of being alone. We all struggle with this. We fear a lack of approval, a lack of acceptance. We fear abandonment. We fear betrayal. We fear it's going to happen again. While everyone can't and shouldn't know everything, somebody's got to know something about your stuff. Because the isolated person is in dangerous territory. In each of the covenant groups that I have led, I've seen this happen. In uh, one of my newest groups, I was kind of surprised because it was after our first session only, and uh, we're doing a wrap-up. And the guy who just arrived, he'd been, actually loaned us his house, beautiful home in Breckenridge, and uh, he was just getting acquainted with the guys, just had a few minutes with me. He says, so what, 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 what did this mean to you? One of the youngest guys, 34, he said, this has been the best experience of my life. I said, well, you better not tell your wife that. <laughs> uh, uh, and he didn't joke it off. I thought it was funny. He said, no, I have encountered something here I've never experienced before. One of the older guys said, I've never felt that I belonged until now. Do you feel like you belong? Do you feel like you've been accepted? Do you feel like you've been loved? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to be able to say, I know now. I am loved, I do belong, and I can assure anyone, I have no secrets, and it's well with my soul. Everybody said, Lord, thank you for the reminder that you call us to relationship. Help us to continue to grow in devotion to you and to those you've called us to do life with. In Jesus' name, amen.